0: Well, good morning, Redemption City Church. Turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5. And, and before we, we dive in uh, this morning, we're going we're gonna to pause for just a second. Uh, Redemption City Church is, is, is a part of a network of churches called the Great Commission Collective. And this network of churches, our sister churches, these are international churches. And so, you know, as it as it stands, we get... Prayer requests from all over the globe. And so we received uh, a prayer request just this past weekend. And I don't know if you all are familiar with what's, what's going on in Russia and, and Ukraine or not, but, um, you know, the, the thought and the idea of war is looming in that area. And we have a, a sister church right there on the border where Russia is lining up their troops right there in Kiev, and we've been asked by our network just to pause and pray. I don't know everything that's going on politically over there, but I know we have some brothers and sisters that have asked us to pray. Let's do just that. Our God, Jesus, Jesus, we come to you because of what we just saying about your name is powerful. Your name is light. Darkness bows to your name. So we pray. We pray for our sister church. The fears, the anxiety. Lord, as the old folks used to pray, be a fence around them. give peace that only comes from you. I praise your name as our brother pastor said to praise your name that in the midst of that darkness, there is a church of Jesus Christ. Glory be to your name. But I pray, oh Lord, that you be with them. Your will be done. Your will be done in that region. Your will be done in Russia. Your will be done in Ukraine as it is in heaven. You know, Lord, you know. Do a mighty work we ask in Christ's name, amen. So if you don't have a copy of your your Bible this morning, please, the the ushers can, you know, the the ushers can get you a copy of of God's word. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter five, however it is, if if it's on your phone, if it's in front of you. I wanna give you all a template on, on how to read a passage like genesis chapter 5 because you go to genesis chapter 5 and you're like man there's a lot of foreign names in there names i cannot pronounce and that's all good i don't want you to skip over those passages of scripture because we're not going to skip over that passage this morning but i am going to give you a bit of an aid and that aid comes from an app called the dwell app have you heard me mention this app to you before If not, it is a Bible reading app and they read the names a lot better than Stephen Love can read the names. So this morning, instead of me reading God's word, I'm going to have God's word read over us from the dwell app by one of my favorite voices in the dwell app. See, in the dwell app, you can change the voices. You don't like that voice? Switch the voice up a little bit. I'm going to give y'all one of my favorite voices in the dwell app that is going to read Genesis chapter 5. Before we do that, you've heard a lot of things this past week. A lot of man's opinions. A lot of, beloved, maybe even your own internal struggles. Maybe you've heard this past week that your life is hopeless and meaningless. Now, beloved, hear the word of God from Genesis chapter 5. Man, Felix just sounds so much more spiritual than I do. So RCC wants to help you in your Bible reading. So if you want a free copy of the Dwell app, just go to the connection card, check the box that says, I would like a free copy of the Dwell app. And the next morning, an email will arrive in your inbox that has a free copy of the Dwell app for you. You can change the voice if you don't like Felix. That's cool. You can change the background music. It's all good. Just, Just get into your word, brothers and sisters. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we dive into his word this morning. Father, we need your help. We need your help because, Lord, there's so many things we battle, we war against that would come against your word, planting itself deep within our beings. So we need you, Lord. We need you to be present. We need you to speak. We need you to be good. We ask these things in the only name we can ask them. That is the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. As you were listening or looking at Genesis chapter 5, hopefully you saw the pattern that was in Genesis chapter 5. The majority of Genesis chapter 5 follows this pattern. It is, you know, this person lived X amount of years and then he fathered this person. And this person lived X amount of years after he fathered this person. This person lived a total of X amount of years after he had other sons and daughters. And as the pattern continues, the text says, Then he died. Did you catch that pattern throughout Genesis chapter 5? Every name that was listed gave this pattern. But if you were noticing, the pattern is broken three times in this chapter. And whenever the pattern is broken in Genesis chapter 5, you have to pause and take note of it. Because when God breaks a pattern, he is trying to tell you something. Can we pause for a moment? How many of y'all know that God is a pattern breaker? Has God broken any patterns in your life? Patterns of sin or shame or guilt? breaking patterns to the point that you are sitting here this morning. Maybe there's a pattern of sin in your life, and by the victory that is granted in Jesus Christ, that pattern is no more. How many of y'all know God is a pattern breaker? Yeah. Me of y'all come from a family, man, of abuse. But not with you, because God is a pattern breaker. My grandfather lived in a household of abuse. But my God is a pattern breaker. <laughs> and I'm here today because our Lord is a pattern breaker. Some of you are, are maybe stuck in the middle of, of that pattern. Hopefully by the end of the sermon, end of gather time today, you will come to realize that Jesus Christ has the power and the authority to break that pattern. I love what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You notice in Genesis chapter 5, there's this pattern of just like living, having kids, then dying. These are cast like living, having kids, and then they die. But what Genesis chapter 5, in the midst of the entirety of this pattern, is trying to tell us, brothers and sisters, is there is more to life than just living. There's more to life than simply living. And so the Lord, as he breaks in on this pattern three times in Genesis chapter 5, he is trying to tell us today that he is still in the habit of breaking patterns. And these three ways in which God breaks this pattern, beloved, I believe the Lord is breaking those same patterns in the same ways today. Three ways God breaks the pattern. He breaks the pattern by reminding us of our identity. He breaks the pattern by inviting us into relationship. And he breaks the pattern by giving us hope. Notice the first way that God breaks the pattern. That is, he's reminding us of our identity. Notice in verses 1 through 3. The very beginning, God is reminding mankind who they are and whose they are. They are, as Genesis chapter 5 reminds us, they are created in the image of God. Value and worth, brothers and sisters. Get this, you're you're reading verses 1 through 3. Before Adam and Eve did anything good or bad, they had value and worth. Before they did anything, the image of God was placed upon them. Before anything good or bad, God had a unique interest in mankind. Anything good or bad. Or bad, they were formed and fashioned by the very hand of God. Like, there's something significant when you say, God made this. There's something profound when you say, God made this. I don't care the the background, current circumstances. If God made it, it's good. It's like if somebody comes to me, and I hope you will. Somebody calls me and says, "Stephen, man, we, I got some, I got some home cooked food for you, bro. Yeah. I got some homemade food for you now." It, underneath my excitement, my my first reaction is not going to be, "Yeah, you made some home." My first question is going to be, "Who made it?" <laughs> you know, especially if it's peach cobbler. I can't be eat anybody's peach cobbler. Oh, 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 Mama Debbie made it? It's all good, dude. It's where Mama Debbie, she's here somewhere. Mama Debbie made it? I know I can have it. See, it depends on who makes it, no matter what the substance is. If the right person makes it, it's going to be good. I don't care what the contents are. And that's what Genesis 1 through 3 is telling us, brothers and sisters. Doesn't matter your background, your makeup, your ethnicity, if God has formed and fashioned you, which I can say with 100% certainty that every human being in this building, God formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb. And because of that, because of that image of God that is stamped upon you, my goodness, God is reminding us of our identity. Everyone, everyone that is and ever was is made in the image of God. How do I know that? Notice in verse 3, Adam was 130 years old when he fathered a son in his likeness according to his image, and he named him Seth. Did, Did you catch that? Like Adam had a son, and he made his son in his image and likeness. And you might say, well, man, Seth is made in the image and likeness of Adam. No, it's not what the text is getting at because Adam is made in the image and likeness of someone else. In the image and likeness that Adam is created in, he's created in the image and likeness of God. So, if God creates Adam in his image and likeness, and Adam creates Seth in his image and likeness, then Seth is in the image and likeness of God to eternity. Put it another way for you math people in the room. If A equals B and B equals C, what else is true about this statement? Woo, y'all get some yeah, That's good. Y'all get an A. That's the same thing here. If God created Adam in his image and likeness, and Adam created Seth in his image and likeness, then A is C, that is, Seth is created also in the image and likeness of God and every other human being after that. Value, worth, is stamped upon mankind. God breaks the pattern by reminding us that we are not throwaways. Reminding us that, man, God, Special interests in mankind He breaks the pattern by showing us our identity. He also breaks the pattern by inviting us into relationship. The image of God in Genesis chapter 5 is brightened and heightened. There's another rhyme, Randall. <laughs> when the image wants to spend time with the one who gave him that image. Can you, can you hear the, the question that, that screams out from the Enoch account in Genesis chapter five? Can't you hear the, the question that the entirety of this text is asking you and I, And that question is simply, Aren't you tired of just living? Are you tired of just living? Talking to her brother yesterday, Glenn, the cards, right? It reminded me, you must be looking at my notes, brother. Are you you tired of just living? Everyone else in Genesis chapter 5, they lived, had kids, died, lived, had kids, died. They had a life, no doubt. But the entirety of the, the Enoch account is saying to us, why would you just live when you can walk? There's something bigger to life than just living it, brothers and sisters. It is is walking. And notice in the Enoch account, death is undefeated until it meets someone who is walking close to the one who holds life in his hands. And so the Enoch account is reminding us, brothers and sisters, death is the end of living, but death is not the end of walking. My goodness, even in Genesis chapter 5, we are told way, way before Christ comes and conquers the grave, we are told that God has authority over life and death. Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. Enoch didn't have that phrase, then he died. Why? Because he was close to the one who controls life and death. You get the motif of like walking, don't you? It's it's an intimacy, it's a a relationship, it's a a closeness that Enoch had with his God. And there's a difference, beloved, than, than walking for God and walking with God. There's a difference in doing a whole bunch of stuff for God and doing a whole bunch of stuff with God. Like, I, I'm, I'm working for you. I'm, I'm walking for you. And God is like, I just want you to walk with me. Come by my side and just let's, let's talk for a little bit. Let's commune for a little bit. You're doing a lot of stuff. There's this old, I, I, listen, I, I grew up on some of the old school songs. There's this brother by the name of Larnell Harris. Anybody heard of Larnell Harris? Don't be scared. Don't be scared. It's all good. You heard of Larnell Harris? There's a song he wrote, and he was talking from, like, the perspective of God, and the song was I Miss My Time With You, those moments together. I used to be with you each day, and it hurts me when you say you're too busy, busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your heart is empty? I miss my time with you. This is what Enoch is doing. Like, Lord, I'm not just walking for you. I'm walking with you. And there's a big difference, brothers and sisters, than walking to God and walking with God. Like, God, I'm gonna get there eventually. I just gotta work some things out. I gotta get some things right in my own heart and my own life. And God is like, I know who you. I know who you are. I know your struggles know your pain, I know your sin, and still I am inviting you to walk with me. Not to me. With me. I love what Micah says in Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to act justly, love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. Each of you. It's told each of you, this invitation to, to walk with the Lord, brothers and sisters, it is an invitation that is extended to each of you. Now let's not let's not try to over-spiritualize this whole walking motif. I had a sister that we met, a friend of ours in Florida. She said, you know, some of y'all are so deep that Jesus Christ just swam right over you. <laughs> So we want to over-spiritualize. We have to get the full motif of what it means to walk with someone. Walking with someone means you enjoy their company. Enoch walked with God for all of these years. It meant that Enoch loved to be in the company of God. Walking with somebody means you're you're friends with them. I ain't walking with somebody for over 300 years, and I ain't friends with them. No, walking with somebody means there's there's a companion, there's a relationship there. Walking with somebody means you're going in the same direction. Can't walk with somebody if y'all walking in the opposite direction. No. Enoch is like, God, wherever you are going, I'm going there too. Wherever you're leading me, Lord, just lead on. Walking with somebody means you can't help but to think about that person because they're right next to you. How often do the thoughts of God flood your mind? Come into your heart. Bring out. Oh, man, if you're you're walking with somebody, you can't help but but to to think about it because they're right there. And, beloved, at at the end of all this, I know this. If you ever walk with somebody, there's somebody to help you when you fall. Anybody as clumsy as I am ever been walking with somebody and trip, and that person stops immediately and helps you back up? Or you can have a bogus friend and they just laugh at you. I don't know. That's not the image of God. I don't think we're getting here in Genesis chapter 5. This is what it means to walk with God. We enjoy his company. We are friends with God. We are going in the same direction as God. We think often of God, and my God picks us up when we fall. Enoch walked with God all of these years. And what's amazing to me, brothers and sisters, as I read Genesis chapter 5, and you're getting all the years of all these men and women, what is amazing is that Enoch was the youngest person in this list. And he's the only one that they said, walk with God. Enoch didn't say, you know, I'm going to wait to walk with God until I get about 400 years. You know, that's, 400 years is the prime spot to walk with God. Enoch didn't say, I'm going to walk with God when I get a little bit older. Enoch did say, you know what, I'm going to do this first, and then I'm going to walk with God. Enoch said, it's like, hey, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can walk with God today. Right now. Notice how they hold Enoch up as, a, as this example of like, he's the youngest, but he's blazing the trail on what it means to be in relationship with God doesn't matter how old you are. What are you doing with your years? You just living them? Or are you walking? Genesis chapter 5 tells us that the, the youngest man fathered the oldest man, Methuselah. I love the way Felix said Methuselah. I wanted to practice, but I didn't have enough time. Methuselah, 969 years. Oh, the brother was old. I'm going to bring you all into a bit of my, into my life story real quick. It might be a bit of a confession. But, you know, I grew up in the 90s, right? And the 90s had some weird stuff about it. But one of the cool things, I think, about the 90s, I'm repenting, one of the cool things about the 90s is that some of my close friends, we would get together. These are very close friends of mine. And we would play this game called the dozens, and it was this weird game that close friends played in the '90s. When we were gathered, I'm repenting now. I'm not proud of it. We would gather around, and we would just talk about each other's moms for no reason. Yo mama this, your mama that. But here's the thing, y'all. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor, so we played the spiritual dozens. So everything we said, even though we were talking about somebody, mama, we, we said it as sort of like a spiritual reference. So we would say stuff, even though we love, we love their mom, we would say stuff like, you know, your mama's so old, she took her driving test on a camel. We would say stuff like that. It's a biblical reference, right? We would do, th- I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it, y'all. I'm not proud of it. And I used, to, I used to kill at the dozens, but one time I got beat. I got beat at the dozens one time. We were standing in Sunday school. We were playing the dozens in church. Yeah, we are doing it in church. Listen, look, we don't put on a face. We go to church, play dozens, play dozens. Anyway, we are standing in church, and I was winning this game by the dozens. But one guy said to me, he said, Stephen, your mama's so old, she used to change Methuselah's diapers. <laughs> the kids lost it. Game was over. Here's the problem. I didn't know who Methuselah was. So, y'all, I went home, and I began to study the Word of God. And my motivation was like, I vow unto the Lord, I'm never going to lose a game of spiritual dozens ever again. And ever since 1992, I've been undefeated at it, the dozens. So if you're, if you're, if you're like, man, and, you know, I'm preaching or something, and I make a connection in Scripture, and you're like, man, that was a, that was a great connection. How does Stephen think of that? It probably came from my studying for the game of dozens. I... It's, it's all good. God took what man meant for evil, and now he's using it for good. I don't even know where I was going with that. Methuselah was the oldest man in the Bible, 969 years old. It's interesting. As old as that is, notice that Methuselah did not hit the age of 1,000. That's significant because the word of God says a day to the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. So as old as Methuselah was, he wasn't even a day in the life of God. There's still a submission and a posturing that Methuselah has to take. I'm old, but Methuselah, you're not God. Breaks the pattern by inviting us, like Enoch, to walk with him, to go in the same direction as him, to to fellowship with him, to commune with him. He he breaks pattern by inviting us into a relationship with him. He also breaks pattern by giving us hope, brothers and sisters. You have to feel, in Genesis chapter 5, you have to feel at the end of it, you have to feel the hope. Of you have to feel it. Notice what he says. He named Noah saying, this one, this one will bring us relief from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the Lord, the ground that he has cursed. You have to feel the hope that Lamech has there in Genesis chapter 5. Ever since Genesis chapter three verse fifteen, Scripture re- records for us that mankind is believing, clinging to the promise that God gave in Genesis three fifteen. What is that promise? From the seed of the woman is going to come one who will crush the head of the serpent, who will bring us relief. And ever since that promise was given, mankind has been clinging to that promise. We notice that in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, the man was intimate with his wife, Eve. She conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. Eve is looking back at Genesis three fifteen, and like, it's because of the Lord that he brought this male child. Is this the one? Is this the one that's going to crush the head of the serpent and give us comfort and give us rest? Nah, Cain wasn't it. Cain wasn't it. And then over in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, Adam was intimate with his wife again. She gave birth to a son and named him Seth, for she said, God has given me another offspring in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Cain wasn't it. He's a murderer. Abel wasn't it. He died at the hands of this murderer. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's Seth. Could this be the one who is going to bring us relief from the curse? Could Seth be the one that is going to reverse all of this? But now, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 5, we see Seth comes to the fate that all mankind comes to except for Enoch and that he died. Man, if he's dead, who's going to bring us relief? Finally, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 29, Noah says, this one, this is it. This is it. Noah is going to bring us relief from the agonizing labor of our hands. He's going to reverse the curse that God said back in Genesis chapter 3. Noah is it. Is this the one? Is Noah the one? Spoiler alert. If you don't come back next week, Noah ain't the one. Noah is not the one who is going to bring ultimate relief and reverse the curse. Who is it then, brothers and sisters? Who is the one that can reverse the curse? Who is the one that can bring us rest? Who is the one that has the power to take all evil and turn it into good? Who is the one that will crush the head of the serpent? Who will give us rest? Who will give us hope powerful enough to break all patterns and all chains of sin? Who is that one? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, proven character produces hope. Who is the one that is going to give us hope? It is only Jesus Christ. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has also been given to us. No, ain't it? Beloved, hope has a name. That, that name is Jesus. It it is in Christ alone that our hope is found. It is in Christ alone that brings us rest. It is Jesus that breaks the pattern of sin in our lives. Let's stand, brothers and sisters, and sing about this hope.